Chris Gelser here with Mal and a very special guest, James Baker from. How we Pop- doing? What's going on, James? See, I like that we're all tripping over each other. This is fantastic. I love how professional everything is. You can find James at PopCultNet. <laughs> He's got a YouTube channel. You can check out his podcast as well. He is blowing up the uh, Pottern family, right? Everybody, you seem to be the MVP. Every time I'm on the Twitters, you're always involved with everything. So good <laughs> for you. Just trying to network, man. No, that's smart. I can't be bothered. So, but it's good for you. That's very smart of you. <laughs> and I do appreciate you tagging us every now and then too. So that's good. Yeah, you're my boys, man. That's I love nice. this pot. So on this episode of The Big Show, the first run, Matt James and I are going to break down Joker, Todd Phillips' entry into the superhero universe. Because let me tell you, as a DC fan, it's nice to finally get like a dark and gritty superhero movie. We're also going to discuss the latest film in our car crash marathon that is gone in 60 seconds, but we're doing the original version from 1974. We're also going to discuss the first episode of the Creep Show launch that is currently streaming on Shudder. We'll talk about what's coming up on Blu-ray and DVD, featuring the straight-to-DVD and streaming picks of the week. And then finally, the three of us are going to break down who we think are the five Batman villains who most deserve their own movie. And then we're going to tell you who should play that villain. So it's going to be a long one. Buckle up, kids. I hope you brought a snack. Let's start everything off with a clip from Joker. For my whole life, I didn't know if I even really existed, but I do, and people are starting to notice. When you bring me out, can you introduce me as Joker? So there are like no long form clips online at all. They're all like 18, 15 second clips. So I guess maybe that's mercifully for, for uh, some of you. So if you haven't heard, Joaquin Phoenix is playing the Joker in Todd Phillips's latest film. He also brought us the Hangover movies and War Dogs. And there's some stuff going on with Todd, which we'll talk about a little bit in the spoiler section of Joker. But this is the origin story of Batman's arch-villain. Everything that kind of leads to him breaking, cracking, and becoming one of the greatest comic book villains of all time. So, James, you are our special guest. I'm going to lead things off with you. Your question is, as a Dark Knight before it, has Todd Phillips and Joker redefined superhero cinema? I wouldn't say completely. I would say definitely for DC movies going forward. I think Marvel will stick to the formula that they're doing right now. I feel like that works for their demographic and the audience that they're catering to. But as far as the DC universe, like you said, I am excited about the future of DC movies going forward after the release of Joker. And I cannot wait to see what's in store. So this is, I guess, the first film, right, of the non-connected universe, right? So we're no longer this big cohesive plan, kind of what they were trying to do with Marvel. We're just going to kind of throw out some films. I think... Maybe Matt Reeves' is The Batman is still going to be somewhat connected, I guess, though I'm not sure how they're going to retcon all that. And then I know there's, I have no idea what's up with Superman at this point. And we do have Wonder Woman 1984 coming out next year. But are you, you like this path better where everything is kind of just disconnected and we're just going to kind of get these one-off films for all these DC characters? Do you think that's the better way to go? 
Well, that's what they're saying right now. There's no telling if they're just trying to keep things under wrap or uh, if they are just going to do one-offs. I prefer the one-offs. I've always said that DC just should just do like one-off movies and uh, leave it as that instead of trying to mimic what Marvel's doing. But uh, I'm cool with either or methods, but I prefer the one-offs. Matt, what's your answer to that question? Has the Joker redefined superhero cinema? Well, I mean, it, it made enough money, so so maybe. I think there'll be some imitators out there, whether that's a good thing or not. I would have to say it's not, from, from my opinion. I like this concept. I, I did not like the execution of this film. It just didn't work for me. Let's get into it then. What are your thoughts? What are your concerns? What are your critiques? And what did you love? Uh, what did I love? I don't know if I really loved anything. I think um, Joaquin is good. He embodies what's given to him pretty well. Um, but the thing that doesn't work great for me is the fact that Joker as a villain always works best as somebody with no motivation. He just kind of is. And I think you take something away from the character by trying to explain it. Now, you know, there's been talk that this is not the real quote unquote Joker. Um, this is like an inspiration foundation for the person that becomes the Joker we know damaged jared leto i suppose but the who i'm not familiar with yeah yeah you know i it's you should check it out it's a pretty good movie (laughs) they uh i i don't know i just didn't i just i mean if granted my nerd showing just because i you know the comic book nerd in me is is saying that it just doesn't work for joker it's nothing that we haven't seen before guy with tragic uh, circumstances in his life gets pushed too far and he snaps and and Mayhem ensues. I mean, it's nothing we haven't seen before. What do you think, James? I see where Matt's coming from, from a comic book fan. But as a film, I absolutely love the character study of Arthur Fleck. My biggest gripe about the film was it took me a while to not see all the Scorsese influences in this film. They're right at in your face at the beginning of the film. Taxi Driver, King of Comedy, all the hits. But once I got out of that, I enjoyed it a lot. It's a Tough watch is very grueling on the soul and the spirit. But as far as the film, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> Maybe for reasons that I am a Scorsese fan. Uh, and I did enjoy those two films. And it was kind of see- cool to see Todd Phillips put his own spin on Joker. Well, it's interesting because that's one of the notes I have. I feel it is almost too derivative of those films. And that I think it cuts the film off at its knees because of that. Uh, you can really see the influences of those two films, particularly. I think even in the suit that he wears, I think isn't there a similar suit that De Niro wears in King of Comedy, I believe. It's, it, but it, it. So I'm watching this thing and I'm thinking, what am I supposed to do with this? I watched You Were Never Really Here again just a couple weeks ago. I watched Taxi Driver and King of Comedy. And that's one of my big cons- issues with it, right? This performance, while I think the best thing about it doesn't really measure up to Phoenix's performance and You Were Never Really Here, or maybe even Sister Brothers, which is what came out, what, earlier this year, last year? And I think that Phillips is, I think he would say homage, but for me, I feel aping of Scorsese. It just, it just really kind of kept, not pulling me out of it, but it was a real struggle for me with the movie. Now, there are some interesting decisions that he makes here, and I think he's trying to have a greater message. This is a fairly progressive film, politically, right? There's some language dealing with austerity. 
There is some out-of-touchness with the elite. This is certainly a new spin on Thomas Wayne that we've never seen before. But in the end, I... I think the big issue, too, I'm wondering if it's a victim of it, of the own, of its own media hype. Right, This was supposed to be potentially an incendiary experience. I don't know if this is because of the media or the fans or both. In the end, it's pretty good. It's not remarkable. I've seen this movie before. I've seen it done better. I will say I think it has a dynamite conclusion. I think when the turn occurs, I think the film roars to life. But that's only like the last 20 minutes of the film. So, and there's some other decisions I guess we can talk about in the spoiler section that I just didn't get behind at all. Strong performance by Phoenix, but overall I felt kind of a lackluster film. Matt, what are you thinking? I'm with you. Uh, no, I don't know what it is. Maybe I'm just a grumpy old man at this point. And I don't like anything and can't find joy in anything anymore. But uh, I, I don't know. They, um, like, I think you, yeah, like you said, it's, it's like I've seen this before. I've seen it done better. I don't think it's really saying anything new. And I think it's... Um, does a disservice to the character. I mean, it had some good ideas. I like the the idea that maybe the billionaire Ogilark of Thomas Wayne and the Wayne family is not as uh, beneficial or benevolent as you know you would be have you believe, which makes sense. Being a billionaire industrialist, they are probably not the best of people. Which and I also think it's, and, and to interrupt you, I also think it's foolish and naive to also pin your future and your your hopes on the billionaire class as well to fix all of society's problems, which is another point right. I think Phillips smartly almost makes. Right. He almost makes it, right. Well, unless unless the billionaire class is the heir to a fortune who can solve any crime and <laughs> think his way out of any scenario and <laughs> becomes Batman. Unless he becomes Batman, then you're right. Um, billionaires are not going to solve all the problems of the world, but I don't know. I just, I, I really wanted to like this. I was really looking forward to it. And I was just a little underwhelmed by it. It's disappointing. James, what else you got? I enjoyed it. I'll just say what, what I enjoyed about it. I didn't really get to say everything that I did enjoy about it. I really didn't go into this movie thinking it was going to be so thought provoking. And, uh, what I mean by that is that I really didn't see the, uh, flight fight club esque twist. <laughs> I kind of fell f- for the, uh, unreliable narrative of the f- uh, movie. Thought that was a good choice for a Joker film because he really doesn't have a true origin. So that paid true to the character. I also enjoyed the message that was in the film as far as like mental illness. And I wouldn't say what happens if you leave someone untreated. I don't think everybody would want to go out there and just burn the world down. I did enjoy that message in it. And like you said, I enjoy Phoenix a lot. I feel like he was the reason I enjoyed it as much as I did. Another thing that I didn't like the most was how they force fed the... Uh, Bruce Wayne, a uh, little plot towards the end with the Waynes dying outside a theater. I didn't really need to see that. I feel like it would have probably been better without the ties to the Waynes. <laughs> I feel like, too, every director, if they have their shot, they have to make that. They have to do that. They have to show. <laughs> I'm tired of seeing the pros hit the ground. Like, I, don't, <laughs> I don't need to see that no more. I'm good. <laughs> I know. I feel like they just feel obligated that they have to take their shot at it, right? I don't know why that is. You're entirely yeah. right. And I do like them, you know, instead of them seeing Zorro, they were seeing Zorro the gay blade because it yeah. took place in the 80s. Um, so. That's right there, yeah. Hamilton film. Yeah, so, stop killing the Waynes, man. <laughs> so so what do you think of Matt Reese? Who's gonna, when is it going to happen? Do we want to oh take over God. under a we win all... in the movie it's going to happen? Flashback? 
flashback right at the beginning over the beginning credits get it over with yeah it's gonna be a flashback <laughs> yeah that's i mean that's basically what snyder did right in batman vs superman he, it was the mm. opening of the film that was all... yeah all right well you can't go back to that well then sorry matt reeves <laughs> i bet she doesn't do it i think maybe i hope he doesn't i hope he doesn't. which movie was the opening credits they like just ignored it and just did it in the opening credits i forget was that that was Batman vs Superman, where the, oh, the credits okay. were coming up, and then uh, yeah, yeah, they um, what's his name, Negan and uh, and then you know the two folks from The Walking Dead played the uh, Waynes. Can't yeah, now. both their names, which is embarrassing. <laughs> so here's the thing: I keep going back and forth with this thing too. I mean, there were moments I think where it really came together and worked, but just as, as a whole, I just. I think that maybe the film got a little away from Phillips. I'm not sure. I think he's trying to make this grand statement that he just mm-hmm. doesn't quite pull off, unfortunately. I will say the third act of that film was phenomenal. And it was probably the most uncomfortable that I ever felt in a theater in my entire life. And I absolutely loved it. I really thought that all this hype about extra security, somebody could be in a theater or whatever. I really felt that. And I really thought that something could possibly happen. And I would, I want to go see it again just for that. <laughs> Wait a minute. So you're talking about the, and we were going to talk about a little about this uh, afterwards, but I, I guess we can transition to it, at least specifically this. That the media, in real life, and I'm, ta- I'm not talking about the movie now, but in real life, they seem to have been kind of chasing this chance that some actual violence would happen in the theater almost and they almost seemed disappointed when it didn't happen like i'm sure james you saw it on twitter where um was it comicbook.com i think shared an article about some people got in a fight outside the theater and they had to be you know they were and they ran with that as if it was something right because they just i don't know what it was that they just had to have something horrible break out at one of these joker screenings which i don't get at all so is that is that what you're talking about you kind of felt this an actual physical unease in case something may actually happen to you while watching this thing yeah i feel like the more i saw it, the more it was in my consciousness and maybe it was like part of the uh sell for the movie like oh what's all the hype about mm-hmm. and uh maybe it was like a way to promote the film but i also feel like they were trying to cover their ass for what happened in uh, the dark knight film like they didn't want anybody to, uh to do another shooting so they kind of put it out of the air like we're going to be there this time just to cover their ass. Um, I don't know. It felt more knockout game crap to me. You yeah, know, I saw a story something today. happens and they make a big deal out of it. And it's really nothing at all. Yeah, I saw another story today. It was saying something about two guys were in the theater smoking and making loud mo- noises had to get kicked out. I'm like, that probably happens every day. That probably happens. <laughs> exactly. That probably happens everything in every movie. So they're looking for a story to tell, you know what I mean? Right. So I'm just glad nothing happened. That's well done. Yeah, me too. Where'd you go see it? Uh, I actually saw it in uh, San Antonio at the oh, wow. AMT out there by the Riverwalk. Okay. Look at you, world traveler. <laughs> so where'd you guys go? Oh, I went. I went to Veterans, the AMC Veterans 24. Okay. Here in Tampa, Matt. I'm assuming theater. you uh, just watched. Yeah, the downloaded. What's up? That's right. I downloaded a cam version that you got off the internet. <laughs> yeah, I did. That's how I. That's you. You, you found me out. I, I, I uh, jailbroke my uh, Fire Stick. I downloaded some programs and just. I mean, other than the the ads for like Middle Eastern casinos, online casinos, every five seconds, it's fine. It's just as it's just as good, really. That's good to know. <laughs> I did get to see it in the Dolby, which I was happy about. So, get old Dolby. 
That's right. So, Jenna, let's let's before we jump into some of the other talk about the film, what are you going to give it as a grade? James is our super special guest. If it had a, remember, we're using the uh, A through F scale, and B and pluses or minuses are allowed. What is your Joker grade? I give it A. That is a bold statement, my friend. Okay, Matt. I'm gonna give it a C plus. Ooh! Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! I actually gave this a B minus. All right. See? I think the stuff that works really works, and like I agree with James Damn. that the third act really works. It's really good, and it and it's really unsettling. It's when he dons that makeup and really becomes right when that turn hits, it it hits. But overall, yeah, it's okay. So let's spend a couple of minutes. I just want to talk about generally a couple of things. So this film had a lot of internet traffic talking about it. Like it's going to be some grand incel statement, right? And then everybody's going to rally behind it. And then violence is going to break out in the streets. And it's going to change the world. And then there's going to be that kind of thing. And that's not what this film is. It's, it's, it doesn't capture or relay kind of any of this stuff that the internet was kind of pushing that it was going to do. I don't think it's at all. James, what do you think? Do you agree? Do you disagree? No, I completely agree with you. And I feel like this whole argument about argument about video games and movies can push someone to the edge like this is still going on is insane. Uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I can see how someone could get inspired by this, but do I see somebody donning Joker makeup and green hair going around killing people? No, I don't think that's what this film is possible of doing. Now, you can't see this, but Matt actually has done exactly that. So, <laughs> Minus killing people, Chris. Well, it's early. <laughs> what do you think, Matt, about all the, the internet hype that this was going to be some I mean, this all event? This is all, tra- you know, this all harkens back to the fact of the kid, I don't remember, I don't know his name, but the, he shot up the movie theater dressed as the Joker or, you know, in Colorado, I believe it was. And if you do some cursory browsing around on the internet, especially on Reddit, um, you'll see people who are not well, who really identify with the Joker for some reason. There are people, there's one guy who makes the rounds a few times. He's gone so far as to scarify his own face to have seriously? the heat. Yeah, seriously. He's had the, like, the smile tattooed onto his face. So there are people that are disturbed to relate to this character but at the same time i mean i'm with james it's very unlikely that anything like this is going to happen and i think it was just sensationalism you know trying to i guess it's possible but um i think just by the very fact that there was heightened security pretty much guaranteed it was not going to happen crazy all right what do we think about todd phillips's comments then about why he's quit making comedy because it's just too easy. People get too offended nowadays, so you just can't do it anymore. James, do you have any thoughts about that? I agree. Uh, that's why I enjoyed the last Dave Chappelle stand-up. I think it was called Sticks and Stones. Mm-hmm. He didn't give a flying... I don't know if I could cuss on here, but F word. Uh, <laughs> that's fine. We can didn't... pop an explicit tag on there. Do what you got to do. Yeah, he did not care. Dave Chappelle brought back what the true essence of comedy is, for me at least. Uh, it's just not caring what people have to say and making people laugh without having to feel censored while you're doing it. And 
I can see why Todd Phillips would feel that type of way, but Hangover was never offensive <laughs> in any sort. Well, at least to me, I really probably would have to go back and check it out. But I can see where his comments are coming from. Well, I think it, maybe they're offensively just bad. Particularly, there's <laughs> two sequels. I found them deeply offensive. Yeah. Uh, I don't see. I I take up the opposite view of that. Now, I'm not in the whole thing where you can't make fun of things, right? And that I because listen, I think this whole thing is bullshit entirely. That you can't make comedy without offending people. There is a movie parodying Hitler coming out basically in two weeks. That's true. All right. So I don't buy into this at all. What I think, though, is that there are groups that have been marginalized for decades. And now they've been able to kind of speak up and, and push back a little bit, right? And one of the big things about comedy, I think Mark Maron actually released a statement on this just the other day, or maybe it was on um, WTF. But the big thing is punching down. It's comedians who punch down on the marginalized groups and then all of a sudden, when they start to get actually get called out for that, uh, then all of a sudden they feel persecuted while they're making fun of the groups that were traditionally persecuted. And I think that's really what it comes down to is now people don't want to deal with potentially the consequences of saying things that are hurtful to marginalized groups. That's what it is. There is, I mean, there some of the kind of craziest, darkest comedy available is is going on right now. As I said, Jojo Rabbit's coming out. You have, um, what else? I had a bunch of examples, and of course I didn't write them down because I'm, I'm a professional. But there is a lot of stuff like that right now, and I don't understand. I think it's it's all BS. It's also like the whole of cancel culture, right? That's not really a thing. You can actually watch a really great video on YouTube by um, more, what is it, some more news with Cody Johnston. He tackles that, and it's really funny, and it, it's it, I think it's dead on. So uh, that's basically, you know, I, I just don't buy into that. I think the big problem now is, is it really is just Todd Phillips just isn't that funny or just not that good at comedy. That's really all it is. Matt, did you have any thoughts about any of that? Do you want to weigh in at all? Or? Yeah, I guess I'll split the difference between the two of you. I agree with James that um, I think ne- there shouldn't be anything necessarily off limits. And I think um, as long as the tooth as it is, I mean, look at like South Park and the, you know, what it's calling out on China and our reaction to it and all that kind of stuff. But I think the key is, is what you said is that it has to be done well and it has to be done with a point or a message. I mean, there are comics that Mm -hmm. like somebody like, I don't know, like Bill Burr or something like he, he broaches topics that are, can be inflammatory, but he does them in such a way where at least he's got a point made where I think Really, Todd Phillips' problem is he's not that funny. Not only did he bring those two very subpar Hangover films, and I was never that much of a fan of uh, the original Hangover that much. I never saw how why it was so great. He also brought Starsky and Hutch, which is just an abomination. So he's made like arguably one okay comedy in old school, and the rest are middling to bad at best. So. I don't think there's any room for lazy comics who are just kind of doing things just to be mean in the quote unquote shock value. Um, Cause that's just not going to work. There's much better options out there, especially with the internet. There's a lot of places you can go. So we're just not going to tolerate it. So I guess if you're not funny and you're kind of going for the lowest common denominator and your easy joke, sorry, it's not the culture. It's just that it's just you. I think that's really what it is. Yeah. And I've always been a big Chappelle fan myself, James. And 
one issue I have with him with that latest special too is is this the trans jokes. I mean, especially since it's recycling the same material from a prior special as well, which I don't quite understand. But that's specifically to I think a group that is marginalized, and there's a lot of potentially scary stuff going down right now with the courts. Which let's just not get too politically involved. Yeah, but you're getting too political, Chris. We are. So <laughs> you know what? Let's I didn't see the Sticks and Stones. Is it good? Should I see it? I haven't watched it. I think there are parts of it that are very funny, and James. there are parts of it yeah. that I think are just I would maybe say, a little out of touch. I would say at the beginning when he started joking about some of the things he was joking about was very uncomfortable but it was kind of like i said before like the essence of comedy that i grew up watching yeah instead of i wouldn't say watching a water down yeah because i do see the positives of cancel culture and you know woke culture but i do see the negatives from it it really does take away from freedom of speech and being able to voice your opinion about something in a positive or negative light but i feel like well, never mind. I'm going down another road that's too political. <laughs> James, <laughs> uh, I was going to cancel myself before I, I know, say okay. anything else. So yeah. cancel myself. But I see positives and negative of, of the culture. All right. All right. Well, I I will watch it. I I will, I will be honest. Um, the only reason I haven't caught it up because I do really like Chappelle is those previous two Netflix specials. I think, especially the second one, he was just so lazy. He was just yeah. Throwing, I didn't like that and, one at all. Yeah, he was just sitting there smoking a cigarette, barely telling any jokes. So I was just like. I'm not. I'm all set if it's more of the same. So I'll, I'll check it out now. And I have one more thing to bring up about the Joker. And I, this is a good a spoiler. Spoilery as I think I'm gonna get. So one of the big moments in the trailer and in the film itself is after he becomes Joker is the dancing on the steps. Right. Oh, I know what you're gonna say. I can't think of maybe a worse song. <laughs> it is a horrible miscalculation on Phillips's part to use that song it, because not so much the fact that now we're going to generate some royalties for a pedophile. So thumbs up, I guess, but it doesn't work. It does not work at all. I don't know if that's his attempt to insert some humor into it, but using rock and roll part two for that thing is just, it's a, I think it's a complete disaster and a horrible, horrible decision. <laughs> I don't know if either of you had that reaction. James, did you have any thoughts about it? or? Nah, man, it was, it was definitely horrible. I was like thinking that it was going to play the entire time while he was dancing, just like how we saw in the trailer, but it eventually faded out and went to the score. That was uh, really good. It should have been playing the whole time, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I'm on the fence. Some people really, really like the score. I think I thought it was good. I'm a big movie score guy. But it didn't nothing. It didn't really jump at me. But it it was solid. It was good. Matt, did you have any thoughts about uh, Gary Glitter and rock and roll parts? I still can't believe you did that. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> it was really weird and jarring to hear a jock jam come out. Um, but uh, <laughs> I think he could have made some very. I think he, there were plenty of other choices that he could have made that would have been much much better. Again, Todd Phillips. This is why. This is why we don't trust you. You had your opportunity. <laughs> so, if you watch Joker and you want to get Rock and Roll Part Two, download it illegally. Don't <laughs> don't give Gary Glitter a dime. That guy is. We're talking like Jared Fogelbat, if not worse. No, he's worse. Are they? Oh, are they still playing? Are they still playing that in like in like basketball games and stuff? I don't know. I don't. Know. I didn't I know about any of that. I haven't seen any. I haven't. 
you know, a lot of, I watch a lot of baseball. I haven't heard it at any ballparks in a long time. So, yeah. oh yeah, no, he's a convicted pedophile. <laughs> <laughs> that makes it even worse. He's a horrible, horrible human being. Damn tight. Yeah, it, it's not like it was a big secret. All right, um, my my score for the movie is a B minus now. <laughs> <laughs> because of Gary Glitter. Yeah, that's bad. B minus. That's weird. Now right. I got to redo my review now. Fuck. Have <laughs> <laughs> you had a chance to see Joker? Shoot us an email at feedback at thefirstrun.com. Coming up on Blu-ray and DVD this upcoming Tuesday, October 15th, is a film a lot of you didn't see. And I'm very disappointed in you. Because it is one of the best films of 2019. Let's hear a clip. Would you like to try? Okay, Uh, that was a good first try. I felt a little more like a kick than a punch, though. It felt like a kick to me, too. Your whole life you've known that a foot can only kick. You've known that a foot cannot punch. Forget everything that you know. Much better. That felt like a punch. A very weak punch, but the most important thing is that you're learning to punch with your foot. Let me show you again. Don't think of it as me punching your body with my foot. Think of it as you striking my foot with your body. That makes perfect sense. So that is, I think, the only film I saw in the theater this year that made me laugh so hard I cried. And that is Riley Stearns' The Art of Self-Defense, coming up on Blu-ray and DVD this upcoming Tuesday. This thing was a joy. I want to tell everybody about my favorite scene in the film, but I don't because I don't want to ruin them, ruin it for them. But it's, it's oh, I, I just want to talk about it so badly, but it is absolutely hilarious. Did you get a chance to catch up with The Art of Self-Defense, James? No, nah, uh... I recently went down a list of uh, best films of 2019, and I saw that on there, but I haven't had a chance to check it out yet. But if you recommended it, I definitely have to check it out now. Oh, yeah. Well, now's your chance. Includes an important message from Sensei, which I have to see, as well as some cast and crew interviews. One of the better horror films this year, a movie that just does what it does. It tells you what's going to happen, and it nails it. And that is Alexander Asia's Crawl, your alligator in the hurricane movie. Includes an introduction to an alternate opening, uh, the opening itself. Alligator attacks and some other featurettes include some deleted and extended scenes. Matt and I both really uh, had a blast with Crawl. Did you cover that on the show, James? I'm just going to keep putting you on the spot. I didn't get a chance to cover it, but I joined someone else's pod to talk about it. But I absolutely love Crawl. It was phenomenal. Uh, Shocker of a movie. I really didn't think I was going to enjoy it that much. I thought it was going to be like a B-rated horror film, but... It definitely delivered the scares. <laughs> Living in Florida, it hit a little different for me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm like, yeah, that could happen. That could happen, though. Yeah, it was very realistic. I think more so than you, because you're in the uh, west side of the state, right? I'm sorry, yeah, you, I mean, we're both the... in the west side, but you're further closer to water, I think, than I am. Yeah, I'm on the peninsula known as uh, St. Pete. Yeah, so you're you're doomed. Uh, Stuber <laughs> is coming out as well. That is the Bautista Nanjiani film. I uh, thought it looked actually pretty good. I did not get to see that one. Put some deleted scenes, a gag reel, and more. Three from Hell, the latest in the Rob Zombie, I guess, is it a trilogy? Is it more? I'm not sure. But your uh, House of a Thousand Corpses, Devil's Rejects. Well, here's part three. Includes audio commentary by Zombie. 
The Haunting of Hill House, Mike Flanagan's series that premiered and plays on Netflix, currently available there. Well, if you buy the Blu-ray set, you actually get director's cut, extended episodes for episodes 1, 5, and 10. Also include commentary by Flanagan, and he also does a commentary for episode 6. I did not see this either. There's just so much stuff to watch nowadays, but I hear it's actually quite good. Matt, Matt you haven't, but James, he's giving us a thumbs up. What, do you, what are your thoughts about it, James? So freaking good. If you haven't seen it yet, please watch it immediately. Uh, I believe it's 10 episodes. Yeah. But it's like a 10 hour movie. <laughs> uh, gives each character a POV episode. So you could, you know, go in and host character study up uh, episodes for each one of them. Really scary. Uh, and it's a perfect time to watch it. October. Check it out. There you go. New to Blu-ray. Criterion is releasing the film Hexen which is one of my favorites, if you haven't seen Haxon. It's a series of dramatic vignettes exploring the scientific hypothesis that the witches of the Middle Ages suffered the same hysteria as turn-of-the-century psychiatric patients. Includes a new 2K restoration, some old ported-over extras as well. But Haxon is really weird and creepy and just a lot of fun. Scream Factory is releasing The Omen Collection. Includes all of the films, including the remake. There are brand new transfers of each one of the films as well. And it's just a slew of special features. So if you're an Omen fan, this is the set for you. Arrow is releasing Killer Nun, starring Anita Ekberg. She plays a demented nun that tortures and kills patients while having a sexual relationship with another nun, which I think is just kind of what happens, right? Uh, Warner Archive is releasing Fearless Vampire Killers, directed by Roman Polanski. And then uh, also coming out, Twin Peaks television collection. All of the Twin Peaks stuff, basically, I think, except for Firewalk With Me, is included in this massive set. And there are 4K Blu-ray upgrades of every episode. And then coming out on 4K for the first time, Pacino's Scarface, the 2004 version of Hellboy, and then the Russell Crowe, Denzel Washington film, American Gangster. Your straight-to-DVD pick of the week, I had to go with Devil's Revenge. John Brock is down on his luck archaeologist who returns from an expedition to the caves of rural Kentucky after unsuccessfully trying to locate a mysterious relic that his family has sought for generations. Upon his return, John starts to see dreamlike visions of ferocious bird-like creatures from ancient folklore. John soon learns the cave he came into contact with on his last expedition was indeed the cave that contains the relic and also a portal to hell. Why we pick this one is because it stars first-run favorite. Well, stars I use loosely. I think he's in it for five to ten minutes. But living legend, Bill Shatner. Matt, what should we be streaming this week? Um, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna make two recommendations. One because it's uh, Halloween. I'm gonna recommend a, a bloody sci-fi body horror film that we saw last year upgrade is available on um hbo now uh, or go or whatever it is you uh, subscribe to um it's about a man who's paralyzed um in a car crash his his uh, wife is killed by uh thugs and he discovers that he can walk again um with the help of an ai that uh, turns him into a bloodthirsty killer terminator ninja and it's great um, I'm also going to recommend something that is going to annoy Chris because I haven't seen it, but Sisters Brothers is available on Hulu. Um, so challenge me, Chris, to go against that because I haven't seen it, but I intend to. Yeah, you have to check that out. And it's on Hulu, you said? 
Yes, it is. All right. Sisters Brothers is, is great. All right, folks. Let's go ahead and keep the train rolling. Let's spend a few minutes and talk about the rebirth of Creepshow, currently on Shudder. Everything okay? My daddy, he's changed. What's wrong? I don't know. I, I can't say he's real sick. I don't want to go back. Please. I never want to go back. Oh, sweetheart. You don't have to go back. You just stay right here. You need to go pay a visit to that boy's father. Find out what's going on with Richie. Tell you what, son. You stay here with Miss Parmalee, all right? And uh, me and Doc will take that case of beer. We go over and uh, see your daddy. No. I, I mean... Would you? Would you really do that, Mr. Connors? Of course I would, son. So there it is, Matt James. The return of Creepshow. Shudder has this extreme, excuse me, this exclusive streaming show. They brought it back. Your first episode features a Stephen King adaptation, Grey Matter, and then another short called The House of the Head. It looks like every episode has two vignettes, two little mini-episodes, right, that comprise it. Now, I've been really looking forward to this one. Grey Matter, the first part, is directed by Greg Nicotero, who is of Walking Dead fame. It features a young man whose father becomes addicted to alcohol, a particular beer, but then some unusual dark transformation occurs, and things go horribly, horribly wrong. And that's what you just heard a clip from, I should say, Grey Matter. James, what are your thoughts on the gray matter and at least this first episode? And we'll talk about the next one after that, the house of the head. But what did you think about the return of creep show and gray matter? Um, I thought it was okay. Um, I would say this probably is the worst set of kids <laughs> that I've ever seen in television history uh, <laughs> to allow his dad to get to that point of no return. But uh, overall, I, uh, I thought it was cool. Fair enough. Matt, thoughts on gray matter? Um. Yeah, it was, it was it was fine. I mean, it was um it was relatively effective as far as the uh, the uh, effects go. Um, the dude from Saw um, was the the sheriff, so that was that was nice. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it, it wasn't the the woman, wasn't she the the woman who got eaten in by the the, the crate monster in the first creep show in the creep show movie? Whoa, 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 whoa. Did I did I say something inappropriate? Yeah, that's Adrian Barbeau. Okay. Wow. That, <laughs> that reaction is really uh, that's really upsetting for me. I'm you son of a bitch. Adrian Barbeau <laughs> is a all right. Just do some damn research on who Adrian Barbeau is. That really crushes me that you. Unfamiliar with her. You know, if I had control of the stingers, I would play Stallone right now. Play Stallone for me right now. Well, you're fine, but my my trackpad has stopped working, so I have to. Uh, uh, it's just relax, amigo. There you yeah. go. One more time. Hey, just relax, amigo. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway. <clears throat> um. Or Matt, maybe yeah. it should be more like. Be nice. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Um. 
yeah it, it was fine um it was it was a short little piece of horror fluff um i don't know what i was expecting i was expecting i didn't realize they were going to be split into two episodes like two stories per episode i thought it was going to be more like a tales from the crypt where i got like 30 to 45 minutes of a single thing yeah no yeah they're about an hour long and you get about 20 30 minutes per i i thought it was okay i thought the cast was good it had a couple good scares and i I thought the monster design was pretty rock solid but overall i just found that particular episode okay i gave uh gray matter a c plus what about you matt did you even bother grading it if you didn't that's all right no i'll grade it right now um i'm gonna give it a c all right. What about you, James? C minus. There you go. C minus. Wow. Averages across the board. House of the Head. This one is a young lady is gifted a dollhouse, one of those big ass ones. And she has the little dolls that go with it. But all of a sudden, inside the dollhouse, a severed head appears. And the dolls seem to be interacting or reacting to the head, almost as if they're alive. And the head slowly basically starts to take out all the other dolls and then other horrible things happen. I was surprised by how effective I thought this was. Even though maybe I found the conclusion underwhelming, I actually thought this this part of episode one was much stronger. This one really kind of creeped me out. I'm not sure why, but it, it I thought it really, really worked. Uh, I, I gave House of the Head a B plus. What about you, Matt? Um, yeah, I thought it was very clever. Um, I thought it was really well done. Um, I like how they didn't really explain any of it. They just kind of went with it and we mm-hmm. were, and, and, um, like a child, like, you know, the, the kid, she, she buys right into it. Doesn't question why, you know, her dolls are a living family. <laughs> um, and I, I, uh, I was actually kind of expecting it to be one of these things where like the dolls were going to represent something that was going to happen to her and her family, but they didn't go that way. So uh, I respect that. Um, I gave it a B. I liked it. There you go. James? Uh, I enjoyed it as well. Um, I enjoyed a lot of the shots that were t- taken inside of the dollhouse. Mm. A lot of the pans inside and outside. Uh, I was just confused why this little girl wouldn't tell her parents what was going on right. <laughs> the whole time. But uh, overall, I enjoyed it a lot better than the first episode, for sure. Agreed. What are you going to grade then, House of the Head? I, I give it a B. Nice. Not too bad, folks. Uh, Matt and I will be going, I think, each week we'll be talking about another one. Though I think Matt's off next week, if my calendar is right. You're right. We so, are off next week. Well, I'll still be doing something. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I won't let people down. I'm, I'm As I said, I'm a professional. <laughs> Shoot us an email at feedback at thefirstrun.com. Did you catch the first episode of Creep Show? We'd love to hear your thoughts. All right, Matt. Let's go ahead and just barrel through the latest film in our car crash marathon here is a clip from the original the og gone in 60 seconds this is mandrian pace number one car thief in america he'll steal anything anytime as long as it's insured my horoscope this morning it's front insurance investigation his business stealing cars and now he's got to fill the biggest contract yet to deliver over 40 cars to docks by Saturday. That's a sad story. To the list. You can lock your car, but if he wants it, it's gone in 60 seconds. 
Things don't always go as planned, even for a pro. Sometimes when you steal a car, you get more than you bargained for. Holy shit! Here. Who is it? Police! The whole damn thing's loaded. Fasten your seatbelt for what Carcraft magazine calls the most hair-raising chase scene ever filmed. Hollywood Reporter says it's a thrill a minute. You owe it to your car to see Gone in 60 Seconds. It's Grand Theft Entertainment. Okay. So you owe it to your car. <laughs> but I also love the fact that there is a car crash magazine. There is, yeah. 70s, man. Come on. <laughs> so, Pre-internet. Listen, all right. There, This film is a very particular type of kink. And we do not shame people. And we will not shame people, Matt, on this show. Understood? So, and I'll explain what I mean by that. But, Matt, question for you. Is this an indie gem or a B-movie misfire or... How many car crashes is too many car crashes? Um, uh, I would say this is a B-movie misfire um, for me personally. I was horribly bored while watching this thing. Um, so far, I've been really, really um, unimpressed or at least baffled by our car chase, uh, our car chase movie marathon so far. Two films deep. I put this on. I started watching it. And I was like, it, it was basically like Millhouse. Like, when are they going to get to the fireworks factory? Because the first like forty-five to minutes to an hour of this, nothing happens, and then all of a sudden, the last bit of it is just things happening constantly, where there's just jump cuts and smash cuts and everything else. It was a bit of a mess, if I have to say so myself. So yeah, I'm watching this thing, and I'm thinking, is this just shot like it's an adult film? I, like, you know, it is, it's, there's, I, I appreciate it's the seventies and I'm sure they had very little budget. I think they shot the whole thing for 150 grand. So I was really ripping on this thing initially. And then I started doing research and I'm like, this guy did the whole thing, right? Your star HB Toby Halicki, who, who plays the Mandrian, Mandrian, which is a name is, that's a good one. Madrian Pace. He, this, so Halicki, Matt, he directed, produced, wrote and starred in this thing. So, and you can see that. I mean, at first, there's lots of weird things, too, for the first 15 minutes where there's a lot of voiceover work over, like, it looks like maybe home videos and stuff where there's, so they're just delivering some exposition. It is really just kind of cheapy looking. And I'm wondering, at first, I'm like, did they just lose all the footage at some point? <laughs> and then I read online that they just kept shooting stuff and they didn't actually have much of a, a script for this. So when the editor got it, he's like, what the hell do I do with this thing? Because he didn't understand. <laughs> he had to kind of piece something together. Uh, it is weird and bad and glorious. And it, it's it's a great, I think, tale of a bygone era, you know, with those great sideburns, which I don't know if ever will come back, nor do I think they should. Uh, the the Playboy pinups in the garage. I remember, right. I think... Just young enough, to, I think I'm old enough to remember kind of seeing that kind of stuff in a garage. I don't think you're going to see that stuff anymore. Mm-hmm. No. But I hesitate almost to even call this a film. 
<laughs> I mean, I think it really makes the remake shine in comparison. Though there is a, there is a, how do I put this? There is just a a curio factor. There's just something earnest about it that this guy really put this all together, together and delivered this thing. I and I got to admit, I admire the audacity of a conclusory forty minute chasey. The last forty minutes of this movie is a chasey. Yeah. Uh, so. As is my way, I didn't do a lot of research on this film before watching it. Um, so I'm, this is really interesting. I find this whole backstory you're relating way more fascinating the actual <laughs> than the actual movie. And I appreciate you saying that there was no story and that the editor didn't even know what to do with it because I'm watching this and I'm like, what the hell is even going on in this movie? All I hear is the voiceover from not even the lead character. It's just that one mechanic just talking for the whole the whole damn thing <laughs> while they just work on cars in the background i uh man like but there are just some absurd just wonderfully absurd things like he goes to steal the cadillac from the woman who's wearing a bikini inexplicably she's just driving around in a bikini and she yeah. she walks off and he he watches her walk away and then he gets in to steal her car and there's a baby tiger in the back of the car <laughs> <laughs> It chases him out of the car. Like, I don't even know. And it's never brought up again. Like, they never talk about how they couldn't get that car or he got chased down by a tiger. None of that. It just, it's just this thing that happened. And it's, it's, you're right. It is just absolutely bafflingly weird. I just so love the, the actual wanton disregard for the safety of other people uh, <laughs> by the police. They really yeah. had no care if anybody. And, and the interesting, too, there were like almost no extras, Matt, in this film. Those are all oh, just really? people walking down the street. So you like wrangled some real cops or like, hey, uh, I'm going to smash this Mustang at 75 miles per hour. Can you No, but there's one me? scene when the cop car is chasing one of the cars and all those people have no idea. They're just people. They have no idea what's going on. They actually think. And I guess at one point where they're, the cop tries to arrest the guy, there's a bunch of bi- there's a biker gang there. And they actually uh-huh. started harassing the actor playing the cops. Hey, man, <laughs> let him go. <laughs> it's just you know they made a pseudo sequel too called double nickels i don't know if you knew about no, that really no i did not uh, know that no all right all right so this thing is just crazy it's weird it's i i don't know i, I had a blast watching this thing but it's horrible so i, I i'm giving gone to 60 seconds a c plus if it wasn't it's just charming almost in its ineptness and just the just the gall to have a 40-minute chase scene to wrap up your film. Good for you, man. Good for you. Yeah. I was going to give this thing a C-, um, but this backstory you laid on me makes me respect it a whole lot more, so I'm going to bump it up a half a letter grade or a third of a letter grade to a C. Yeah, this 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 marathon is is really interesting. Yeah. <laughs> it is uh, not what I was... I was expecting a little bit of a, a light palate cleanser after the heaviness of, of French New Wave that you subjected me to, mm. whereas... So far, we've gotten some kind of meditation on the on death and the end of the counterculture um, in a Dodge Challenger, and this, this, this thing, <laughs> whatever this is. So I'm really, I'm really interested. I'm really needing to go see Duel because I just need to see what young Steven Spielberg can do. That's what is coming up next. Gone in sixty seconds is currently available for streaming on Amazon Prime. James, have we enticed you to see this film at all now? Uh, that's a hard pass. <laughs> Fair enough. I, I, I am gone in 60 seconds. Yeah, that's right. I don't blame you. 
All right, let's move on. Let's wrap up this behemoth of a show and spend a few minutes talking about what we think are the five Batman villains who deserve their own film. What the hell is going on? No plan is proceeding as expected. Oh, really? Do I look like I'm running Wayne Enterprises right now? You're hit! On the stock exchange, it didn't work, my friend. And now you have my construction crews going around the city at 24 hours a day. How exactly is that supposed to help my company absorb Wayne's? Leave us. No, you stay here. I'm in charge. Do you feel in charge? This gives you power over me? What is this? Your money and infrastructure have been important. Till now. What are you? I've got some reckoning. Here to end the borrowed time you've all been living on. I still think that Tom Hardy was unfairly... Well, he didn't get the praise I think he deserved. I absolutely loved him as Bane in The Dark Knight Rises. So I always like to trot them out whenever I get an opportunity. So now we're going to talk about what we think, what Batman villains deserve in their own film, of course, after the massive financial success of Joker. James, why don't you start everything off? Matt, you go second, and then always, since I am the boss, <laughs> I will go last. James, start us off. Who? What's your number five choice for Batman villain who deserves his own film? Uh, my number five choice for uh, Batman villains... Um for solo films, I'll go with Poison Ivy. Uh, I will cast her as Samara Weaving from Ready Ooh, or Not. That's a good one. She was phenomenal in that film, and she was every bit as crazy as uh, Poison I- Ivy is, and every bit as calm. Uh, if DC is going to go this route of social commentary for their future films, I chose Poison Ivy for numerous reasons. Climate change, save the planet, and uh, all those go green things that are going on in the world today. So I'll go with that. Poison Ivy. I think that is a really good pick. And also you have her as like an eco-terrorist, anti-hero type thing. I think that is, that's actually really good. And I wish I'd thought of it. I'm going to have to edit this out and steal that. And use it. <laughs> <laughs> put, you, put you before James? Just that's so he's like, oh, James, what are you doing? Oh, wait, let me set it up. <laughs> wow, I can't believe James, you and I had the same idea. Good for you. <laughs> All right, Matt, what do you got? Who's your number five? So my number five is a, is a deep cut. It's a reach. Uh, but I think they should, if they're going to do this, maybe they could do like a straight-up horror film. And uh, I'm going to suggest Professor Pig. He is a huh. surgeon who forcibly kidnaps people in his quest to create the perfect person. And he does horrific experiments on them and creates these kind of um, abominations after he's done and he wears the creepiest pig mask and he butchers apron while he does it. I think somebody like Vincent D'Onofrio could really pull that off. And if you had just kind of like this, uh, this film where it was just kind of like a straight up, uh, horror film of professor pig, uh, kind of lurking in the background. I think that could be a lot of fun. That is wow. That is pretty good. I like that one as well. I wasn't as familiar with, with, with that character until the, uh, Arkham Knight yeah. game. Because he actually yeah. has a side mission in that. I didn't know he was in there. I'm playing it right now. Oh, oh yeah. Go. Oh, sorry to spoil it for you. It's it. creepy as hell, man. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> so my number five is Zaz. And I think I'm going to choose Lucas Hedges. 
Uh, I, I agree with you, Matt, though. It's another, I think, horror one. So if you're not familiar with Zaz, he actually, he was in Batman Begins, wasn't he? Technically. But I would do kind of the more traditional version. He's a serial killer, and he marks every one of his killings by, by scarring himself, by making a cut on his flesh. And I think Batman kind of using more and more detective horror film as he tries to track him down, I think would be really fascinating. I don't. It would never happen. I think it's too dark. But still, I think it would be something really interesting to see. And of course, Lucas Hedges is like one of the it guys right now. So that's me trying to capture the zeitgeist. James, what do you got? Number four. Uh, number four for me, still going the social commentary route, would be Catwoman. And I would cast her as Vanessa Kirby. Uh, you may know her from Hobbs and Shaw and uh, Mission Impossible. Uh, she was one of the better parts of Hobbs and Shaw. Uh, she displayed that she could do some fight sequences as well as become a good actor or be a good actor. But uh, I enjoyed her and her quest and her solo film would be to save the animals and all that PETA, PETA stuff that's going on too. Listen, I think Catwoman is a great choice, but you absolutely made the wrong casting decision. And we'll talk <laughs> about that in a little later. Matt, what's your number four? Um, so I know he's been in a film before in uh, Batman Begins, but I would think a film focused on Rachel Ghouls and the League of Assassins could be fun. I think you could have kind of like a John Wick thing going on, kind of the formation of that entire society. Maybe in having a little bit of a, a I don't know, like a martial arts kung fu vibe to it. Um, I think it could be a fun kind of wacky, insane action film um, with lots of, you know, Martial arts and ninjas and all kinds of cool ass stuff. Oh, and I would pick uh, Mark Strong to be Raish. Okay. Huh. You think he's too old at this point? Um, De-age him a la De Niro Pacino style? Or? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. I think he could still pull it off. He's menacing enough. He's scary. Fair enough. My number four, then, is John Hamm as Two-Face. Mm. You go through... I know we've seen him before in The Dark Knight, right? But... I think you'd be able to capture that suave, good-looking attorney who then turns to a life of crime. But it's more of a psychological thriller as he tries to deal with what's happened to him and then become one of Batman's arch villains. And I just, I don't know what it is. I just need to see John Hamm in a DC movie. I don't know why. <laughs> but uh, I still think I would, I would just love to see that role. And then I, I'm still working on it. Would it be a crime, law and order type-esque drama? For like the majority of the film, or do I go all in right away and have him deal with the almost Joker-esque, I guess, insanity trip as he becomes obsessed with duality? I don't know. I got to work out the beats on that. But I just basically just want to see John Hamm as Two-Face. James, numero tres. Can we retake that and I go before you? Could you stole my number three? <laughs> <laughs> John Hamm as, as Two-Face? Yeah, I, um, I'm all about that. But I have a backup. What would you do with it? You, you said everything that I would Fair enough. Do all right. It. What do you want to do? Um, Something else? I have Scarecrow, and I would cast him as Adrian Brody. Uh, he just has mm. that ambiguous, creepy look to him. Mm-hmm. And not quite sure how he could hold up in the solo film. I just feel like I should cast him, and we'll go from there. Maybe hit up Todd Phillips and steal somebody's work. Oh. <laughs> 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 Sounds good to me. Man, with the burn, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, my number three, I think that's a fantastic choice. My number three is also Scarecrow, but I chose Domin Hall Gleason, mm. the General Hux from uh, the the uh, new Star Wars films. I kind of viewed it again, a horror film, but kind of like a psychological horror film where 
he's kind of testing his fear gas on patients in his uh, in his asylum or whatever. And you can kind of uh, have a bunch of uh, you know fantasy sequences that would be really creepy as hell. And um, I think it could be pretty cool. Now that sounds interesting. Not as interesting <laughs> though as Riley Keough as Talia Al Ghul, which mm. is my number three. So okay. you have the League of Assassins, but you have the Talia portion where she's dealing with living under the shadow of her father, dealing with her love for Batman. So she goes on some mission, and maybe she turns on her dad or saves some kid instead, runs into some members maybe of the Batman family. I don't know. But uh, I would like to see some maybe a strong kind of female empowerment superhero film with Riley Keough as Talia because she's... She's dark, right? She's just ambiguous enough where she's evil, but she does occasionally maybe kind of do the right thing. So I like having that ambiguity in that character. So that's my three. James, two. Number two, I'm going to go with Bane, and I will cast him as Dave Batista. Mm. Uh, Honorable mention him. for me. Go ahead. <laughs> Blade Runner, 2049, Guardians of the Galaxy, and his wrestling career. Um, I think this would be an interesting film. It would be another character study of being in jail, being in confinement, and getting out and wrecking havoc on the people that did you injustice. I like that, where he goes after the people who put him there. It's not so much dealing with Batman, right? It's more of a revenge thing. Uh, that mm -hmm. is that is a fantastic idea. I actually have Bane as played by Bautista as well. So um, clearly, that is an awesome pick. You and I are apparently on the same wavelength so far. Yes, sir. <laughs> Matt, number two. <laughs> um, so my number two is uh, Clayface. <clears throat> and honestly, if I was going to have it done, I would like to see almost basically what they did in the Batman the Animated series where he's kind of this like victim of, of circumstance. And he's this tragic figure who kind of loses everything in his life and he's trying desperately to hold on to it, but he can't, even with all this kind of newfound power because he's no longer really a man anymore. If you're going to have him not be in his mushy state very much, I would pick uh, Dan Stevens from um, The Guest in, in Legion. If you're going to have it be all mushy mocap, it's got to be Andy Serkis. And then you could just have him be Andy Serkis. Give him some face time for a change um, as a non, non-Clayface Clayface. I would go with the latter over the former for that. Okay. All right. My, I'm sorry, James. You saying something? Where's that, Matt? That was me. I said you're wrong. Continue. <laughs> My number two is the best number two pick we've heard so far, and that is Ashton Sanders as Jason Todd slash Red Hood, but Red Hood, like bad guy Red Hood, who is out for revenge to kill Batman. And if you're not familiar, Ashton Sanders played Chiron in Moonlight, and he was also in the, the Predator movie there. But uh, Sanders has some really interesting qualities because he's a big guy, right? He's a He's got the build for, but he also can play sensitive in dramatic moments. I mean, just watch Moonlight, which is just a fantastic, heartbreaking film. So I would absolutely love to see him kind of take on that role because it would require that tough guy persona, but with a lot of depth and sadness potentially too. And I think he would be perfect for that. So that's my number two. Bring it home, James. Number one. Now, clearly, it's not going to be as good as mine, but I'm still curious <laughs> to hear it. What do you got? We might have the same one. You never know. My number one pick would be The Riddler. And I will cast Jake Gyllenhaal as The Riddler, Nightcrawler, and more mm -hmm. so his last performance in Far From Home and Velvet Budsaw. I would have this film be a, a social media commentary 
and uh, he will just be someone that keeps trying to go viral and he can never go viral. And he finally figures out if he makes these riddles for people to solve, he finally goes viral. And then he keeps going to further extents to keep going viral and viral by making these crazy outlandish riddles. And he drives himself crazy. That's interesting. From like trying that. to get so famous on social media. You should, you, you know, there's a couple of good ideas. You may want to reach out to Johnny Hollywood, the, the, <laughs> president, the president of Hollywood. And, uh, we haven't talked to him in a long time, Matt. When we, through who? We haven't. No, we have not. We got to bring we'll him to, back. We'll have to get point. the interns on it. Yeah, well, well, that's a good one. All right, Matt. What's number two for you? Or number one, excuse me. For you. Uh, my number one is the correct number one. Um, it's <laughs> Mr. Freeze, um, which is the absolute best tragic character who's been criminally underused um i think you could kind of do this whole kind of critique on the pharmaceutical industry and kind of the um the insurance and 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 kind of uh corporate greed that kind of gets in the way of this this guy who's trying to save his wife and do good for society at large but because you know he wants to make it easily available to everybody you know he's he's uh punished for it and he becomes this kind of avenging heartless angel of death um and i was kind of trying to thinking this out and i was kind of waffling back and forth but if i'm making up a list that's never going to happen i said screw it um and i would say that you could have uh daniel day lewis play mr freeze um because hmm. he could pull off kind of the whole the whole range of emotions that would be required even the kind of subtly uh the subtle menace as well as the kind of uh pining for his wife nora um throughout the whole thing i think it'd be fantastic very good. It just occurred to me too that my number five makes no sense, which I had Zaz with Lucas Hedges because it necess- necessitates Batman being in the film. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to swap out my my honorable mention and agree with James because he was correct and have do that Bane Batista film. There but uh, I will do like a lot of Hollywood people do. I'll just steal James's idea and make the film <laughs> myself. So I humbly submit for my number one pick a heist film that is an adventure and a comedy starring Tessa Thompson as Catwoman. Mm. I think that film would be a blast. I think it would be a lot of fun. And I need to get Tessa Thompson in as many films as I possibly can. That woman is just, the screen lights up. I mean, she made that Men in Black film watchable. Barely. But she made it watchable. So uh, I would love to see her do like a big adventure heist movie. I think it'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, and you're right. That is the correct casting for Catwoman. See? Nailed Touché. it. You you're got welcome. Me. Thank you. I'm still in it though. You stole my <laughs> 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 All right, folks. Yeah, do you have any honorable mentions? I'm all set on my end. Uh I had one honorable mention that I just want to bring up. Uh I would think uh to have a uh, a kite man movie hell yeah it, that's what it would be called kite man hell yeah um and it would be starring uh, joseph gordon levitt and basically you could just have kite man kind of on the periphery of all the other like the major villains and um kind of batman all kind of on the outside kind of tertiary to all this as a, as a kind of a commentator of everything that's going on because uh kite man is ridiculous and i love him oh, that's interesting you could almost do like a batmite too but you'd have to be mm. all animated batmite might be fun what about you, James? Did you have any that didn't quite make the cut? Since we don't really know who Jonah Hill's playing in the Batman, uh, if he doesn't want to play Penguin, I think Andy Serkis would be a good Penguin. Oh, that's true, too. If you're Jonah Hill, are you like, screw you, man? Like if somebody say, I want you to be Penguin. Like, hey, I'm yeah. skinny now. Come on, cut me some slack. Why do you come to <laughs> me for Batman? 
<laughs> Can't go back now. That's right. Yeah. Uh, good times. Those are the five Batman villains we think deserve their own film and who we would cast in those roles. Who would you pick? Shoot us an email at feedback at thefirstrun.com. Next week, Matt, looks like you're dodging Gemini, man. I hope you're very proud of yourself. I hope you're happy. Yeah, I'm, extre- I'm extremely happy and proud of myself, so you enjoy. And I think the week after that, though, I believe we'll have Parasite in our midst here. I think we'll have good. And then I don't, I don't know when The Lighthouse is coming out, if it's going to be a delayed a week, but that's got an 8th, October 18th date. Jojo Rabbit, October 18th. Zombie Land Double Tap. Ugh, this next few weeks are going to be crazy. We're also going to suspend our car chase marathon, obviously, since Matt will be away next week. So mm. we'll be talking about Duel when he gets back for that. In the meantime, check us out on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Do a search for the first run. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Scroll a little more. Eventually you will find us. Go over Apple Podcasts and give us a review. That's how other people will find the show. And please, for the love of God, I don't know why we're pushing James. He's got probably more listeners and viewers than we do. But you can check him out at Pop Cult Net. Go to YouTube and do a search. You can grab his podcast where you can purchase and probably get mostly for free all of your podcasts, all the outlets. Uh, James is going to be there for your enjoyment. Anything else, James? You got any special episodes? What are you covering coming up on your shows next? Hopefully I have you guys on pretty soon. You know, I'm doing a get to know, introduce you guys to my listeners and everything like that. But uh, in the future, just more films, more anime, more TV shows, anything you could think of, I'm trying to cover it. That sounds good. All right, folks, that's going to be the big show for this week. We're going to go ahead and take an extended break, and we will see you all soon. You want to know how I got these scars?